You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. When I dream about the moonlight on the Wabash, how I long for my Indiana home. Jim Neighbor. Oh, here we go. That sound you just heard was the iconic song of the Indianapolis 500. You boys know it well. We got Ron Thomas, Michelle Ray Hall, two of my friends who were born of open wheel fumes. You know the song, right? That begins the Indianapolis 500. Ronnie? Well, there's, there's several, right, Michelle? But are we talking back home again in Indiana? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> There we go. We're not talking about X Machina. <laughs> no, we're not. It could be. I mean, we could have the national anthem. We could have uh, God Bless America. They're all there. It is Memorial Day weekend after all, you know. But the iconic right. the iconic song is uh, Back Home in Indiana. Jim Neighbor sang it for many years. He's passed away. But it's a great tradition, just like the, the, the glass of milk or the bottle of milk at the end of it. Uh, 200 laps, 500 miles. A full field again, boys, so we're going to get into all of this. Uh, Let me just start by introducing Ron to you, Michelle. Ron, like I said, grew up in Indiana and is born of open-wheel fumes. Ronnie, tell Michelle your backstory with your family. Uh, Well, my grandfather uh, was Johnny Parsons Sr. He was a rookie in 49 at the Speedway, finished second, won the national championship, uh, ran in 10 Indy 500s, and then uh, my grandmother, Arza, uh, and my grandpa Parsons divorced. And well, for, while they were married, they had my uncle Johnny Parsons Jr., who ran in 12 Indy 500s, his last being 96, his first being 74. And then my grandmother married a rival of my grandpa Parsons, a guy named Carter. And my grandpa Carter ran in 10 Indy 500s, his first being 48. Uh, his last being in 63, he, re- he stopped racing for a couple of years to be the competitions director for USAC. He helped found USAC with Tony Holman. And together they had my uncle Poncho Carter, who ran in 17 Indy 500s. And they also had, and they also had my uncle Dana, uh, who was perhaps, I dare to say, the best driver of all of them. And unfortunately, Uncle Dana passed away at the uh, age of 30. He was a USAC national midget champion in 75, blah, blah, blah. So we've got a total of 50 starts in the 500, which is the third most behind behind the Unsers and the Andrettis. And the, guy, so and the only go. guy I know, Michelle, that could rival that family tree would be you because people always say, Michelle Rahal, Rahal, is he one of those Rahals? I'm like, yes, he yeah. is one of those Rahals. <laughs> Give us your it's backstory. not exactly Smith, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Go it's, ahead, it's Michelle. One of those names that you know you don't tend to forget. 
Yeah, I, I my father started the Ray Halls racing in 1954 uh, for Jaguar and uh, Ed Ray Hall, and then my cousin, my, my uncle Mike, Bob's dad, he started racing. Then Bob started racing, and Bob won the Indy 500, and I believe it was 1985, might have been 86. His brother Ian started in 86. Yeah. Yes. Ian started racing. Uh, he quit. I ro- drove professionally. Uh, Trans Am, uh, Pro Atlantic, um, and a number of other classes. Then my uh, cousin Graham, who is driving for Bobby right now, I think he's on the fifth row. I'm not not quite sure. Um, and then uh, Sean Ray Hall as well. So there've been eight of us uh, that have that have driven. And uh, so it's just we were born in it. We were born in the garage. Now I cannot sit here and say that hey, Indy. We can't come close to, to you, Ron. You've got quite the uh, family tree there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we were road, we were all road racers. That's where we came. From. Well, either way, it's great to have you guys together. And I'll start with this, Michelle. Ronnie told me a story that I did not believe when he told me this story, and it's the story of how one high-profile team failed to qualify because of a measurement snafu. Explain. Well, that was only yeah. That's only one of probably ten snafus, but it is the it's probably the most remedial of all things that a racing team, especially professionals, can do. When when you are taking measurements, uh, imperial measurements, and sw- mixing them up with metric, with standard versus metric. That's insane. So the story These guys had experience. It just doesn't make any sense. They, All right. So the story it, it, is just because I didn't set this up right. And Ron, you can jump in for not Fernando Alfonso, who is part of Alonzo. Uh, Alonzo. Sorry, Alonzo. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Sorry. For, Fernando That's Alonzo, all right. who's part of the fame McLaren team of Formula One fame, had a crew that didn't compute correctly the metric to English conversion, and they brought a car over that what, Ron, caught on fire? No, no, no. Uh, there's a backstory. First of all, you know, they, McLaren is based out of England, so they, and Michelle knows a lot more about this than I do when it comes to the, you know, the Formula Ones and the, the road racing and the back, the pedigree of Ferrari and McLaren, but they, their offices are in England, and they, they wanted to build their race car there so they did that and of course the chassis is all similar it's delara makes the chassis which is a company based out of indianapolis then from there the modifications are made there are certain engine specifications honda or chevrolet that make the engines for indycar but they constructed the car over there uh and zach brown michelle will tell you about uh ceo but he's more geared he's a ceo of their mclaren racing but he's more geared towards formula one so they brought the car over and they teamed up as you do you team up with an IndyCar team that has some experience they teamed up with Carlin Racing you know they probably would have been better suited to team up with an Andretti like they did in the past or a Carpenter Racing uh, just so you can then use the the technology and the advantage and the experience that these guys have so they came over they were running well uh, unfortunately, during the initial test, open test, a couple or a few weeks ago, they had an electrical problem, which was something that was so basic that the guy who was involved with the electronics was fired. And so they missed out on track time. 
during the open test. So they come here, they're running the week leading up to the qualifications. And unfortunately, Fernando hit the wall coming out of three, a decent impact and enough, you know, it doesn't take much to, for those cars to be damaged. So the car was damaged badly enough that they had to prepare a backup car. They prepared the backup car. And this is truly remarkable. Uh, they missed track time because when the backup car was being painted, painted the, for God's painted, sakes. the guys came at the executives at McLaren or the race team executives looked at the color of the car and they said, no, that's not McLaren orange. Repaint it. So they missed a day of track time <laughs> because the car did not meet specs. So they get the car ready. And long story short, it's already been a long story, but the metrics, the conversion happened as they were setting up the car for a qualification run. The car was sitting too low, Michelle. You could attest to this. And oh, yeah. It, sparks. Sure. It, it was firing off the, off the asphalt. But you do know that one of the cars was built in Brackley, England. The other car was built here in America, the backup car. They had trouble in the very beginning at the first test at Texas with the backup car. And you would have thought they would have taken that backup car, knowing Indy the way you should know Indy, that, you know, just an average person should know Indy. You should have that backup car very close to being ready to roll or ready to adjust. So they've got a backup car that they completely screw up. Uh, before they even get it to Indianapolis, the one they destroy the one from England, and then they mix up. And these guys are supposed to be the so, best and the brightest, right? So what was the what was the problem? Why did the backup car ride too low and end up scraping the ground? Because they missed. They put the wrong. They used metric instead of standard, or vice versa. <laughs> For the bolts and for the settings on the car. Oh my They're God! Completely different. The measurements are totally different. Yeah, but so they, here he is. Yeah, a lesser driver than Alonzo would have been in that wall a hundred times. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, Alonzo and, was just fighting that. But the, you know, hey Steve, that's a good point, Michelle. It's important we're talking about Alonzo, but the background for Alonzo at Indianapolis, he came two years ago, and he was leading the race. And he uh, unfortunately had some engine failure. And the 2016 race, uh, a guy named Rossi won the 2016 race who had a Formula One background, minimal. However, my point in saying all this is, you know, we've got Formula One guys who are coming over to race at the, in the 500 the way they used to. The right, Clarks right. This is, the, this is big time. Let me jump in here, Ron, This to, just to explain. I mean... F1 is the elite of the elite open wheel circuit, and it's the most expensive and the most technically, yes. you know, uh, profound. And they used to, they stopped coming to Indy because it was deemed a lesser circuit. They're coming back now, which is great. But for God's sake, when you get a McLaren boy over here, don't waste a day painting his car the right color orange. And for God's sakes, do the measurements right, boys. Come on. McLaren has undergone a, uh, just, just an absolute collapse. I mean, from uh, right from Formula One all the way to Indy, no one seems to know who's on first. And I don't expect that out of someone of Zach Brown's ability. And you can have the greatest guys in the world that can be the smartest people in the room. But if they don't know how to work together and they don't have a project 
timeline and diagram to follow, it ain't going to work. It's and amazing. these guys, it just stuns me <laughs> that, you know, they put a, a they put Alonzo's life at risk. Right. Want to know the, truth. right. The, the headline, boys, <laughs> the headline says McLaren's failed Indy 500 effort was a comedy of errors. And you guys just laid it out. The good news is while that car was going into the wall and luckily no one was hurt, it went into the wall McLaren orange. So it went into the wall at the proper shade of orange, and now they're out of the race. Ron, go ahead and give us a couple drivers to watch and a storyline or two to watch, and then I'll just let you ping pong back and forth with Michelle about the race. Okay. Well, an addendum to the to the Alonzo thing, I will say that it made me physically sick to the stomach because I wanted him in that race. I think true fans wanted him in that race because of the notoriety that he would bring. There are still over 1 billion people annually who watch the Indy 500. People don't yeah. understand that worldwide. However, this, the European eyes would have really been all over it had he been in the race. So it's sad. But the guy that bumped him, we have bumping back at the Indianapolis 500, which we've not had in the past. Uh, in fact, something crazy is Bobby Rahal, Michelle, got bumped in 94 of sure he did who, yeah who had won the race so that it's not something that's completely unique but bumping, bumping is, is bumping is when bumping is when the field has more potential entrance than spots the max number of spots is 33 correct and correct then, and and to bump yep. you, so you do qualifying and the you know you can bump a guy with a better time in the last rounds before qualifying you hadn't had bumping Ron, because the field wasn't full that's exactly right. right. Pen- Penske completely missed the show one year. All of his cars. 93. And that was much worse than this. It's just that McLaren is on a world stage. McLaren's not just a racing team. It's McLaren Technologies. They supply the little boxes, the computer boxes for NASCAR. They, they supply aero uh, aero equipment for flying for flight they do all sorts of things and for them to miss the indy 500 it it does two things one it shows the europeans wait a minute boys this isn't as easy as you think it is and b it shows if you're not ready you're not ready and auto racing is the ultimate stage to perform. All right, you so let's perform or you die. Let's spin, well, let's let's push it forward, Ron. Give me some guys to watch I, this weekend it. It, and the storylines yeah. for this year's Indy. The guy that bumped Alonzo, that's the last time I'll mention his name, a guy named Kyle Kaiser, a Californian, got into the race in a on a dinky budget with a dinky team uh, 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 Junkos Racing, I believe is how you pronounce it. But he, it is. He, was, he was so happy, he cried. When they crossed the yard of bricks, taking the checkered heat flag, he said, did we make it? And the team, uh, the team engineer said, effing, we made it. And they, he cried. This is the happiest moment of my life. You don't know what this means to me. So Kaiser is someone that I'm going to be pulling for simply because he had the balls to get four laps in. And, and we know four laps at Indy is quali- four laps qualifying is flat out the scariest shit you ever experienced in your life. And he made it. But obviously we're going to skip to the Penske teams or the Penske team. We've got Newgarden. We've got Castro Neves, who is back going for number four. He's only running the speedway. 
and we have Pagano, who's on the pole, who beat out the other team I'm going to mention, which is the home team, Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed Carpenter has uh, finished, uh, ran, finished second last year. He qualified second. He is the stepson of Tony George, who is the uh, former president of Speedway from the Holman George family. His team is Spencer Piggott and Ed Jones, two great American or one great American. I don't know where Ed's from. Ed, Ed two tall eight. Jones. <laughs> no, different. Second, third, and fourth. Ed Jones is British, I believe. Okay, okay. And then the, actually from and, Dubai, uh, but he's British. Last, right. The last team I'll mention that I'll let Michelle take over is Ganassi Racing, and Ganassi. It's it's either Andretti Ganassi or Penske that wins this thing with the occasional uh, rarity that sneaks in. But we've got Scott Dixon a five-time champion of the of IndyCar. So it's a good and field. Indy. It's a good field. Other than Alonzo missing, is there any driver that you would have wished was in the field? Go ahead, Michelle. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, Alonzo was, you know, my guy. As much as I'm, you know, as much as I can be a fan, because I'm not one of those I don't have any vapid, uh, vapid sentimentality towards <laughs> auto racing. I don't. It's, you know, whoever is the fastest. I admire Alonzo because he is so fast and so good. But you, as you went down that list, what strikes me is, you know, you've got a couple. I don't think we're going to see the normal race. Number one, how many accidents have we had uh, here just in just leading up to qualifying? These cars are more skittish than they have been in the past. Why is I that? Think, and you've got a very well. The, the aerodynamic drag has been lowered, uh, so you're not getting as much downforce on these cars as you used to. Uh, just a completely different type of car altogether. Uh, so that that's going to make it interesting. What also makes it interesting is less than two seconds, or just that two seconds, covers the entire field. Wow. And you've got a lot of guys in there that are going to try to be heroes in that first 10 laps. I see. I mean, here. Yeah. I see we have a woman in the field. Pippa Mann, M-A-N-N. Yeah. What's her yep. story? That's it. So she's not, so she's not the next Danica is what you're saying. No. Yeah. No. Okay. No, it's, it's, Probably a notch below. But she that. earned she earned her way into the field though, right? She got in, man. Okay. There's nothing you can you know, you can't argue with that. Right. She got into a very tight field. Uh and for me, I mean, I'm looking at the same names that Ron is, only I'm gonna throw a couple in there that I, he might not might not expect. I'm looking at Colton Herta. If he can keep his head about him. <laughs> He is a strong young. He just turned nineteen. Whoa, 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 whoa! Nineteen years old. Nineteen. He's Brian Herta's son, former Indy driver, team owner. Holy shit! Nineteen, Ron Thomas. Colton Colton can drive. Turning at two twenty at the Indianapolis five hundred. He's barely shaving right now. Yeah, he has had a lot of racing experience in in England. Yeah, he won at St. Pete. I believe it was St. Pete. Yeah, it was St. Pete. I'm looking at Dixon, Newgarden, Power, 
But I think the spoiler in this could easily be Ed Carpenter. Carpenter is an oval specialist. It's all he really does. I mean, he's he's a he's a pretty good guy. I mean, Tony's a friend of mine. He's and I met you know I met uh, Ed years ago, but Ed has done virtually nothing but oval track racing, and he's very serious about this race. So I've got a I've got a feeling that Ed Carpenter could be right there at the end. Um, but you know, it, this is one of those races you never know. You simply never know. Anything can go wrong. Uh, there have been how many, Ron, I mean, we probably can't count how many last lap leaders failed. The car let them down. They ran out of fuel. Just a million different things can go wrong. And the strategy will start within the first 20 laps, easily within the first 20 laps. It's like no mission really survives the first shot. So, Oh, yeah, the so first they, 20 laps is where all the strategy is going to start. Then they're going to start playing out the formulas for what happens next. Wow. What tires to change? What compound tires? With, 100 How much and, with 180 laps to go, they start planning oh, yeah. out the sure, race. That's sure. incredible. Ron, and it keeps changing. The thing is, is it always changes. It keeps changing. Right. So they have to keep changing that strategy. These strategists that sit on that uh, pit box, these guys are doing nothing but, I mean, these are the guys with the propellers on their heads. <laughs> They're computing stuff, and is that because that's because that's because in the first twenty laps you get a feel for track temperature, tire wear, how fast guys are going, all that stuff, and you start going, okay, I can see this happening, that happening, and I bet Ron, all of that is perfectly logical until somebody spins out and wipes out seven cars, right? Um, it's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to wipe out seven cars. But I've got a feeling you're going to see more uh, more accidents in this race okay. than we've seen in the last few years. There was so much downforce on the older car. Yeah. So much more downforce. These cars, not so much. Ronnie, talk so, talk talk race strategy. Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. My wife, who's in the car with me right now, always says, I would pit, you know, she's been to several races now, but I pit off straight, you know, get out of the pit sequence. You know, yes. the, the tires last a certain amount of time and your gasoline, 40 gallons, last a certain number of laps. And so, which is usually between 30 to 35 to 40 laps, depending on what you can get out of it. So, pit, you know, a lot of your strategy is when to come in. If you get a long green flag run, uh, you know, you generally everybody stays out until there's a yellow or until the, you need to come in and pit because you're running out of fuel. Um, so, you know, strategy really, a lot of it, Steve, is luck. It's where you fall. Like last year, we had guys leading the race at the end, and the, the, the layman would look and think, oh, my gosh, this person's Justin Wilson is going to win this race. Well, the, the people who understand knew that he was running out of fuel and he would need to pit with two or three laps to go. Right, and, exactly. And, invariably. Penske, Ganassi, or Andretti with their strategist and their strategy laid out, they invariably they come right to so, the front. So do some do some of the so do some of the lesser drivers do that hoping there's a caution that allows them all to come in and evens things out, and then when they don't get that, we, they end up running you will out of know, gas. You will know that. You will know that within the first fifty laps. If you start to see a number of cautions, cautions breed cautions. And it gets hotter during the day, therefore slicker. 
So everybody's going to start looking at that first 50 laps to where they're going to change their strategy, hoping to end up, you know, up front at the end. But they're also going to be calculating, all right, we've had this many cautions in the first 50 laps. Now, how many do we expect that we may have in the next? Right. So, so there's a guy that does. There's a guy that does all the fuel computations, and they're pretty. Oh, they're they're pretty right down to the nut on that, right? Last they they know to the lap, right to the lap. Okay, what about tires, Michelle? Are they as accurate judging how long tires last as they are fuel? Not not as much as fuel. No, Uh, with the tires, it depends on the driver. Is the drive how the car is set up. Is the car set up uh, to where it's running very smoothly? Uh, you have to remember, these cars are traveling at a very high rate of speed. They're going around these corners. They are taking uh, rubber off the tires. If you've got a car that, say, is understeering or when you turn the wheel, it doesn't want to turn as much. You're scrubbing speed off, but you're scrubbing rubber off, too. And it depends on the compound. You know, they've got to change tires during the race. They've got to change compounds. So you may end up, you know, somebody says, oh, we're going to start on light fuel, soft tires at the beginning of the race, and we're going to pit early, and we're going to go to hard tires. And from that point, you know, hoping that they can get 30 laps in or 20 laps in, and then maybe there's a caution. You know, and then everybody will come in. Do they all do somebody, all the teams? Somebody's going to break ranks early, do, right? Do all the teams use the same tire? Yes. Yes. Okay, so you're re, so you're require, and that's a requirement, right? Yes. Right. But you Different can compounds. But you, you can have compounds. Okay, and and does everybody have the same number of different compound tires? Like too soft, too hard, too this, whatever, or no? No, I think they can choose. They have to change. They have to change compounds at least once. And once they've done that, once they've changed compounds once, then they're free. They have to they buy. They have to change by rule or by necessity. Yes, by okay, rule. by rule. Okay. They start. They start the month with thirty-four sets of tires, and you are to use your tires as you wish, but you cannot exceed thirty-four sets of tires for the month. That includes tra- That includes testing and qualifying yes. too. Wow. That's correct. And, that's a way and bear in mind, they'll go out for a lap and scrub a set of tires in, come back, take those tires scrubbed in, and put them on the shelf in, in anticipation of throwing them back on because ah. they build heat up quicker. Ah. The, heat, the heat window counts a lot in these cars. And the ambient temperature of uh, both the air and the track, if the air is hot, you get thicker you get the thinner actually thinner air you don't get as much air or thicker air you don't get as much air into the engine therefore there's lower horsepower uh and on the tires if the tires overheat they start to fall off their operating window how is uh, it really scary how is the overall state of the race i know that it's been through a number of different stages and phases of popularity but from an overall standpoint, Ron, where is this great American race these days? It is, I think it is as strong as, no, I'm not going to say as the 90s uh, and maybe even the 70s, the 80s even. 70s, 80s, 80s and 90s, it was 
it was it. Right. To me, it's still it. This is my 46th in a row. Anybody, it's, you know, but it's still, but it's good though. It's and you would agree, Michelle, that this that no, this. Race... I'm impressed the way they've come back, at least with this one race. That race has always been the race. Every other IndyCar race was designed to uphold the Indy 500, and even though they've changed owners now, I mean, for different tracks and different owners groups, that Indy 500 is still it. If you go to another IndyCar race, you're liable to have stands that are half empty, or or, or even worse, or more, three quarters, or more. Okay. It, it could, well, yeah, wait, well, let's get just, let's get the crown jewel healthy first, and then we'll worry about the rest of the circuit. Healthy. Well, that was Tony. That was the that was the Holman's point all along, because uh, it hasn't been just you know they, they don't live in a vacuum. These people, uh, NASCAR's Bill France said flat out. If we don't have open wheel racing and don't have sports car racing, stock car racing will suffer. He's correct. Mm. But if you notice across the world, motorsports has climbed backwards. They've gone backwards from Formula One all the way down, except for the grassroots racing, all the way down to IndyCar. Uh, it just it's happened. There's so many ways for the young people now to get their information. People are in such a hurry and so much information is coming at them, so much leisure time that that they have to spend in bites. Right. So it's very difficult to attract them. You know, people talk about this Formula E series, the electric cars. It just, you know, it just, <laughs> I just really, truly do not believe that the millennium. Formula E. Can you tell? I oh, hate it oh for God's sake. You know, it's, it's by the awful. way, by the way, uh, I never Michelle, signed up to drive vacuum cleaners. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Michelle, uh, Ron has with him in the car his son, Winston, who is how old now, Ronnie? Uh, he's 11, and guess what? I just dropped him off to get his hair cut. 11 I, years old. And and he and Ronnie has been taking Winston to races, both open wheel and NASCAR, for quite some time. Ron, talk to us about how young Winston views going to the Indy. Well, Winston gets to do things a little bit differently than uh, other kids, and you yeah, because you have him in the pits, don't you? Well. Of course. I mean, it would have, of course, but yeah, well, tonight, for instance, we fly home and my parents are hosting Chip Ganassi tonight and his friends for dinner at the house. And it's, uh, he's 61 on May 24th. And Chip is, you know, is a guy who likes to celebrate his birthday with his friends. So when we arrive tonight, Chip, Chip Ganassi, likes to celebrate anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Who are you point, kidding, man? I know point, him. I know Ganassi. Yeah, my point in saying that is so t- tomorrow um, we'll be the Harding team. We're involved with the Harding team, which I'm yeah. pulling hard for. And so we'll be up in their turn two suite. And then we go over to Mary Holman's suite on the front street. So my son yeah. gets to do things differently. I get to do things differently. I Sometimes I treat it a little bit like my personal playground. I do it cautiously. Right. Um, but, does does you know, young is, Winston have Does young Winston have that wide-eyed wonder? of a boy amongst amazing machines. It's tough in this digital age. He does, but again, he's, he's inside it. So, yeah. uh, and he races go-karts. So, you oh. know, so you're in, Ron, you're in yeah. trouble, dude. I, I know, I know. You better be cashing in those stocks and bonds right now. <laughs> well, the, uh, 
but we're not going to let him take it to that next level because he. I don't want him to get killed. And <laughs> what I what I would what it. I would love, and I don't know if this is possible in this day and age. I'd love it, Ronnie, if Young Winston could sit wide eyed at the table, listening to a lubed up Chip Ganassi tell racing stories, and just consider <laughs> it to be an incredible experience. But I just don't know if in today's digital age, youngsters of that age are captivated by the stuff you and I would have been years ago. Oh, he, he totally is. Let me just say, we I have so many family pictures, as you might imagine, uh, going back to the late 40s and 50s. My grandpa Parsons and my grandpa Carter were so good about holding on to their photos. I have thousands of nice. photos, and he, he loves them. I have my grandpa's old, uh, you know, a lot of his old racing paraphernalia. I have old jackets that people would kill to have. A uh, 100-mile-per-hour club jacket is his old champion sport, uh, sport club. In fact, I brought a couple of the jackets. Grandpa, a lot of the race car drivers back in the 50s, uh, when they were done racing, they would go speak for champion spark club. They'd go to high schools about driver safety. They wow. teach these kids how to drive or, you know, I mean, don't do this. Don't do that. They understood that this vehicle can kill you uh, that you're driving. And so grandpa did. So I have all kinds of stuff. So he is, he just, he popped out of bed this morning knowing that we were coming home and he had such a smile on his face and it's, it's just the most incredible really thing cool, the show isn't it? Says, well, the Indy, there's oh. nothing like the Indy 500. Nothing. No, there really isn't. And, and Alonzo admitted it. Uh, I mean, he said, he said out and out. I mean, that's uh, his first year there when he went, uh, when he drove for Andretti. He, he was stunned. He couldn't believe it. And he, even in, uh, you know, you expect Formula One drivers not to be very gracious, and they generally aren't. <laughs> But Alonzo, even in the failure of not qualifying, still stood there and signed autographs. And that, for somebody at Alonzo's level, I mean, I think it was very classy. But I just got, I've got to tell you, Ron, my father failed miserably at driver's safety. I was 14 years old and he'd fall asleep. I'd push the Lotus Super 7 up the street, crank it up, and I would take off through Savannah, Georgia. I love it. That is the cops visited my house more than family reunion. Oh boy! Hey, one more thing. You know, Alonso. The reason he wanted to race at the 500 is because he wants the triple crown. Steve. That's right. He's he's already won Monaco. Okay. Monaco Grand Prix. He's already won Le Mans, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which is perhaps the second greatest race in the world, in my opinion. And he's going for the Indy 500. And the only person to have done that is the aforementioned Graham Hill, who won the Indy 500 in 1966. Wow. So that's the triple uh, crown of racing, those three races. Totally Russell different. Russell is a two-time world champion in Formula One and yes. will be the uh, WEC, the world the Le Mans car champion as well. And you're That's saying exactly right. And you're saying, Michelle, that a lot of these Formula One guys, they're like Jean Girard in Talladega Nights, played by Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> just sort of. Know. I have never, I never watched that film, and I refused oh, to. Oh, oh no, 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 Michelle, you Michelle, got no, it. Thank you, baby thing. Jesus. I am not watching that film. <laughs> it's one of the, it's one of the funniest movies ever. It's, I can't yeah. do it. Okay, it, it's, uh, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Okay, blasphemy to one of the art forms that I hold dear. Uh, Fair enough. To my heart. What, hey, you know what, Ron? One of these days, Michelle's going to be flipping around on cable. He's going to hook into it, and he won't be able to flip away. 
You know it, it's, and I know it's it. It's one of the funniest. I thought the same thing, Michelle. I thought, I'm not watching this shit. It's one of the funniest movies <laughs> ever made. It's hilarious. Hey, so, you All know, right. there, still is, there still is a chance that Alonzo will be in this race. That's what, you know, people, but he turned down. As of today, Alonzo said, I'm not buying. I'm not letting them buy me into this race. Now, he's an alternate. You're right. If somebody crashes, yes. if somebody screws up, he is an alternate. He goes in. Michelle, tell them about Carb point, Day. Tell Steve about Carb Day. What could happen at Carb Day? Anything. They can crash these cars. I mean, they can Friday, completely des- destroy a car. Steve, and Friday's it, the last day that they're on the racetrack. Friday is Carb Day. There are concerts, and the cars go out from 11 to 12. A.M. to 12 p.m. and there are 33 cars on the racetrack, getting their package set up, getting their race set up done, and they're moving and they're shaking. And if one of those guys hits that wall and gets hurt, Alonzo's in. Wow, and, and that's, that's and the and way they're the way. Yeah, Carb Day is the when they the months gone. Carb Day is the when and they he tune can go in. in with the number 66. Or at that stage, you know, he may very well say, okay. You know, McLaren's willing to put up enough money for, you know, a kid, uh, not Kaiser, uh, oh, hell, someone, hell yeah. Sage Karam, Sage Karam, it could be anybody. Yeah, I, I'm not thinking of Sage, it's uh, one of the others. Anyway, he could uh, easily say, uh, Connor Daly, he could easily oh. say to Connor, look, you know, Zach Brown could say, Connor, we will give you enough money to run eight races after this if you let uh if you let uh alonzo uh, drive the car wow and that is connor's dream is to just keep going i mean he this is this is god knows you have no idea how expensive this sport is <laughs> to get from carts to get from carts to indy lights is two million dollars <laughs> Jeez. Two million bucks to get a kid from carts to Indy Lights, and they got to be able to win. And I know this because it's it's happened in my family. Now oh. I was the broke one. I was the idiot. <laughs> I was the one that had nothing. I talked my way into any ride that I ever got. I never paid for one. And so it's it's got to be very tough to get out of a seat. No matter what, even it, if it is for a two-time uh, Formula One It's chance. the most beautiful sport in the world and the most heartbreaking sport right. in the world, period. Well, There's nothing. I can't explain it to you. All I know is growing up, I woke up with a steering wheel in my hand, and I went to bed with a steering wheel in my hand. Praise and, the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. And your dad said, where's my steering wheel? Oh, wait. <laughs> Michelle's got it. Yeah. Uh, 30, Wait, that's not my steering wheel. <laughs> 33 drivers, 200 laps, 500 miles, a bottle of cold milk, and immortality for the winner. It's Sunday in Indianapolis, 12.45 p.m. Eastern time, the 103rd running. Let's hope for good weather, boys. I loved hearing the two of you guys go at it. I I just I love this race like you guys do. I don't know as much about it, but I'm always curious. So thanks for your time today. Let's do it again, bro. Sounds Thank good. You, Michelle. Thank you, Steve. All right, Take guys. Care. See ya. Take care, guys. And there you go. Your primer on the Indianapolis 500. I, I know so little about the sport, but I love it when guys who are so into it 
They just get energized by all the little nuances. And hopefully, if you didn't know anything about IndyCar racing, you picked up a thing or two along the way. And I didn't mean to be rude to keep interrupting them, but I had to treat it like, hey, I'm an idiot, and there's other idiots listening, and they want to learn a little bit more. So let me just interject here and get get the facts on the table so we know what we're talking about. All right, thank you so much for listening, and especially for being a su- subscriber. Excuse me. Have yourself a great Memorial Day weekend, whatever you're doing and wherever you are doing it, please be safe. Nothing ruins Memorial Day worse than a trip to the ER. And we will see you Tuesday on the other side of the long, great American weekend to kick off some. At SheFit, we're so over beach bodies and getting bikini ready. You should be empowered to wear anything you want except a bad sports bra. You deserve better. You deserve a bra with fit and support like no other. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually performs. Fully adjustable to fit your body with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022.